You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last 7 to 10 days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumours, roundup, gossip, tech and, well, basically... Anything else that catches our eye, this is the Essential Apple Podcast. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last 7 to 10 days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumours, roundup, gossip, tech and, well, basically, anything else that catches our eye. This is the Essential Apple Podcast. Yes, we're back again. It's Mark and Simon of the EssentialApple.com website for another week of Apple news, reviews, rumours, roundup and anything else we care to cast our eye on. And if I sound a bit exacerbated and stressed out, it's just because what was working last week just suddenly decided not to work. And yes, Mr. Madden, I had not changed a thing, but... Hopefully, if I press the button, if I can find my signboard... Stop mocking me! We should be all good to go. How are you, Simon? How how has your week been? Any more beaters or anything like that to give Uh, us feedback on? I had, had, uh, was it, Beta 5 the other day for both uh, 10.3 Beta 5 for my phone and uh, 12 point whatever it is... 10, 12, 4, beta 5, both of which installed uh, absolutely perfectly without any grief again. Wasn't there a thing the other day with, oh, what was it we were discussing in the Slack room about the iCloud acting up a little bit? Yeah, I had some trouble with my iCloud, but um, to be fair, I don't think it was actually iCloud. What happened as you remember some time ago i my original iphone went kind of internet blind didn't it and i sent it back um and they sent me another one um and my iCloud hasn't really been a hundred percent right since then and uh in particular i noticed that my handoff wasn't working so yesterday i thought oh to hell with this i'm gonna sign out of icloud on both my laptop and my phone and then sign back in um and then i got myself into a bit of trouble because although i signed out and signed back in and i could sign into my icloud i couldn't turn the keychain back on because uh somehow rather my verification number in icloud had got messed up so i was left in a situation where I couldn't verify uh, either device. So, uh, yeah, I ended up speaking to uh, Apple support where I got a rather nice lady called Melina who uh, went through the back end. Uh, once I explained to her what was wrong, she uh, basically helped me out by 
I don't know what she did. She tweaked something at the back end, then told me to reboot my phone. Um, and then I could verify it and change my verification number. And then all was good. So my iCloud is now working properly. Hurrah. Well, at least something's working. I actually had a phone. I actually made a phone call, my AirPods. Not to keep banging on about the fact that it's a 150 quid set of AirPods and they don't work. But I actually made a phone call. Uh, it's been... Well, you was on the phone to me quite a long time. Yeah, I know. Uh, and that's the longest that they've ever worked. But would you, Adam and Eve, it, the next phone call I made was literally two minutes after that. And once again, it just dropped. And I want to blame something. I want to blame like radiation, radiation, radio or interference or something. But when you're in the middle of a field and it just goes, dunk. Or what's even worse when it drops the call from the headset to the actual device itself, but doesn't make the noise. Uh, uh, what I would have been up to this week, not a lot really. Um, I've been mainly, this week I've been mainly mucking around with H.265 encoding using my Mac and Handbrake, because Handbrake has come out of beta uh, because I only have a half gigabyte drive and I need to get rid of some of the gump on my system. But other than that, it's, um, yeah, it's been a fairly quiet week. Oh, in major disastrous news, my Apple Watch has a scratch. And it's not like a scratch on the side or on the bottom. It's a nice long scratch going directly through the middle. And you go to people, oh, I've scratched my watch. You go, oh, I can't see it. And you go, how can you not see it? I know it's there. So, yep, that's about 70, 80 quid off the second hand value with the Apple Watch gone this week. Mm. Well, uh, just, there you go. It's just been Apple one of these thing. weeks. My daughter dropped her iPhone 6 and smashed the buggery out of it. So, uh, and then the, and I don't just mean smash the glass, which I mean, lots of people have smashed glasses and carry on. She smashed it and the LCD has gone. And then about, a day later, the touch grid stopped working. So that's the end of that. Yeah, oh, I've been there myself. Oh, I suppose as we're running a little bit late in the world of actually being organised and getting things going due to oh, something going wrong. And like I said, I haven't changed a thing. We'll get straight into some Apple news. Uh, well, this leads on nicely from your iPhone story that get ready for faster charging, longer life iPhone batteries. Moving on from wireless charging, lithium iron, lithium iron bat, batter should not not be battery. Did no one proofread this? <laughs> Batteries, yes. Lithium iron batter co-inventor Joe Goodenough, and if I I have the same clip for that, just invented what could be the next generation in mobile device batteries. His new solid state battery design can hold three times as much power compared to current lithium iron batteries, charges faster, and doesn't pose any risk of explosion. A problem Samsung is all too familiar with. Not my words. That's nope. from Mac Observer. But I, nope. so we've seen uh, loads yeah. of stories like this in the last year where you know there's been a breakthrough in charging technologies. And you sort of hear these stories and you just think, well, is it an actual breakthrough that's ever going to be applicable in the real world? Or is it a breakthrough in the form that it's just it's a proof of concept rather than something that could be tangibly applied? Well, I think you'll find, Mark, that these these sort of developments obviously come out of a lab 
and so they are effectively proof of concepts. Uh, I think you'll find that Mr. Goodenough himself says that it takes eight to ten years to bring a technology out of you know from the lab into commercial production. So, you know, his new uh, improved charging or battery tech technology, we're probably unlikely to see it anywhere in the next, I don't know, seven to eight years, um, which is unfortunate because, but, you know, that's how it is. Uh, apparently, he's replaced the liquid electrolyte in, uh, with a piece of glass, which uh, apparently makes it a safer and much more powerful uh, device. Oh, I think I think we're all there waiting in the wings for all this new uh, technology to come to place. But until then, we're just having to make do with Apple and their never-ever-software um, tweaks. But one thing I would say is that the Apple Watch is absolutely stunning on battery life. I'm get, It's getting to the point now where I'm that unaware or I'm that sort of focused with range anxiety for the Apple Watch I barely remember to charge it so it's always the next day after the next day I'm in the car and like oh I'll just top it up and I end up graze charging it more than I actually do you know topping it up it's the iPhone that just seems to drain the battery and I've got I've got a theory um it doesn't like having my case on there because the case compresses quite tightly too and I'm wondering because it's blocking the antenna signals excuse me because it's blocking the antennas is it having to ramp up the power to try and get a signal but I do live in a place where I only have one bar of signal at any given time that's that's not great is it I mean we all know that whenever the signal's weak the phone is going to use more power clinging on as it were to the signal so that's never really a good situation to be in. And uh, if you think that your case is in any way impeding your uh, connectivity, I suggest you change to one that's TPU or silicon or one of those things that's radio transparent. Yeah, maybe it's just sort of subjective because I noticed the the power going down, but I still have this bug of it goes from twenty percent down to ten, and then it gets down to about five percent, but then seems to last half a day on five percent. It's an old battery bug that's coming back to uh, to haunt me yet again. There is only one thing about this whole battery situation is do we actually want a technology that will actually enable Apple to make things even smaller and thinner than they actually are, like in the case of a MacBook? Like on a phone... A wafer thin mint. Yeah. <laughs> do you want your phone to be a wafer thin mint? And the answer to that is no, I probably don't. It's quite thin enough, to be honest. Well, we have got all this talk now, haven't we, about the next iPhone will be going USB-C to comply with European legislation. But I don't, I don't, I don't think it will. I think uh, several people have put forward, uh, including John Gruber, I think, have put forward the theory and one that makes quite a lot of sense, actually. And that is that to uh, comply, all you really have to do is have a charger which has a USB-C out and a lightning to USB-C cable because then your, sta your your charger is generic. 
and compatible with anybody who's got a USB-C cable. And you're, all, you, all you're doing there is, is saying, right, which in, in some ways is quite a good thing, isn't it? Because, you know, our, our phone chargers and our iPad chargers and the like have for uh, donkeys been a plug with a USB output and then you have a cable, whether it be to the old 30 pin or now to uh, Lightning. Whereas our our laptops have had these charging blocks with a built-in wire, haven't they? And, uh, you know, if your mag safe end goes or the cable frays halfway along, you're in the pot for, I don't know, what is it, 75, 85 quid for a replacement charger? Whereas if your laptop charger and your phone charger and whatnot were basically just your transformer with a USB-C out, you could have, you know, any number of cables. Well, that's what they've done on the, uh, what is it, on the Microsoft Surface uh, Pro 4. We've just got them in work. I'm just racking my head. So I know it's got a USB out, but I don't know if it's a USB-C out. I have to well, look that, into I'm that. I'm not even sure that I'm not even sure that that would matter, would it? Because we all know. I mean, the the, the European directive on on that whole standardisation of chargers, which is you know quite some time old now. Obviously, that you know brought the standardisation or near standardisation uh, of chargers on usb so that you you know most of them are usba to either micro or mini which isn't a hundred percent standard but you know it's long long gone are the days of every single phone having a separate charger thank the lord for that (laughs) yeah thankfully um uh and uh did you see my tweet or that i well retweet really of the ports, ports, computer ports from history. Uh, I no, no, you know, you should know that I am horrendous when it comes to uh, keeping up with well, anything I, I, Twitter or social related. I retweeted, I retweeted a picture of a a board. I assume it was assembled for some kind of teaching purpose, and on it it has just about every single uh, computer port you can think of. You know. Uh, and there are a lot of them, lots and lots and lots. So it's one of those things. It's like, yes, I remember all of these. Just think my children will never have to endure it. Oh, the the times when you'd go to motorway service station and you'd want a charger for a Samsung something or other. And invariably they would have all the generic brands there apart from that one. But the, the, what worries me about these chargers is I've been doing a lot of YouTube watching uh, and there's one guy called, I think it's bigclive.com. Uh, it's legit. It's not anything dodgy. Before anyone has that idea in their head, uh, he's an electrical engineer, and he's been doing all these teardowns of chargers and appliances that you uh, like USB blocks and things you would buy, you know, from pound stores. And it scares me just how cheap and badly made these things are, and how there are more things that blow up in this world. <laughs> well. 
I guess that's one of those, you know, buyer beware, you tend to get what you pay for. But uh, that said, I've had uh, over the years a vast number of sort of two to five pound USB a output charges, and I think I've only ever had one go bang. So, well, you yeah, I mean, you sent me to um, sorry, you pointed me in the direction of Poundland to go and get a cable, and it's actually a really nice quality braided cable. Uh, and that's in my car because obviously that's the cable that goes in my car. It always gets the most grief out of any cable that ever goes in there, uh, and it's working fine. It really is. I'm I'm actually impressed. It was like ninety nine p, but there's <laughs> there's obviously going to be someone out there listening who's going to go, oh word, no, you can't use that because they'll be sparking and it'll be doing this, that, and others. Um, <laughs> but I've got to get another one because my original. Five year or no, my, one of my first lightning cables is now become so frayed that if I wear the wrong jumper and I touch my desk, I get a hell of a whack of static electric from that blinking cable. Are you yeah. sure that's not actually mains electric? That's yeah, that yeah, you've got, you've got me thinking there. <laughs> if it's that frayed, Mark, you'll probably get <laughs> twelve volts AC. <laughs> Yeah, well, thankfully it's coming out of a monitor, so that monitor's only going to push out something like two point five amps on a on a lucky day. So I, sh- I should be right. So if we went, it, I'm just trying to backtrack in my head on where this whole USB rumor C rumor came across, and this was, I think, this started from the Wall Street Journal. And yes, the European Union is sort of clamping down hard now to say you know we want one standardized connector because of the amount of waste that it creates. Do you think Apple would get away with that now, given the backlash that they had over the 30-pin connector, or will people be more rejoiceful in the fact to say, ah, I can go and buy a cheap USB-C cable um, from anywhere, and it will work? Because if if the Apple did go down that route of going USB-C, they're going to lose a huge proportion of revenue for selling their cables. Mm. I'm not sure. I mean, I personally wouldn't really give a monkeys if they changed to USB-C or didn't. I don't think they will. I think that they're, they're too invested in Lightning and they've got too many reasons to stick with it and that their solution will simply be to have Lightning at one end and make it USB-C compatible at the other and say, there you go, that complies. Um I really do think that's that that's what they're going to do. I I can't I just can't see them changing to USB C. Certainly not this year. Oh well. I know they've been kind of upfront and you know on the ball with their laptops. You know, some people, in fact, accusing them as per usual of being overly aggressive in removing old tech and putting in USB-C. Yeah, but you say that the the, the Microsoft Surface Pro four that we've got in work. You know, that's limited on the amount of cables that you can put in. And uh, one of the things it comes with is a dock. And I kind of sort of start thinking, well, what's the difference between having a dock for the Surface Pro 4 and having a dock for, you know, the MacBook One? Yeah, because we've mm. literally, we've gone back almost a few decades now. I don't know if you ever remember when 
uh, IBM ThinkPads were actually IBM ThinkPads, not Lenovo ThinkPads. And you used to get these massive honking great docking stations where you'd like, some of them you could put down and it actually had a motor to wind the laptop into the docking station uh, so it wouldn't move. So we've, we've sort of gone back from that. And I know that one of the reasons why I switched from a laptop to a desktop was because I got so bored of, you know, I plug in my keyboard, plug in my mouse, uh, and then I plug in a uh, micro, uh, the, the monitor connector, which escapes me right now. And then every time I wanted to you know, take it over to somewhere else, I have to unplug it all. And then when I got back, I'd have to plug it all back in. And yes, this is a very uh, first world, you know, is it just me being lazy problem? But this is what Apple tries to do, isn't it? It tries to solve all the little niggly things so you don't have to do that. Now, if I can, if I was to get a laptop now and I, I knew I had a, like a, a small docking station that had my monitor attached, keyboard, mouse, I mean, I've got wireless now, a cable for my phone, and I just have to plug, and the power, and I just have to plug that in, that's, surely that's got to be a net benefit. I, I guess so. But... Um... It's almost like the thing that Guy and uh, Gaz were talking about, isn't it? And the thing that uh, myself and Guy have, have talked about in the past, you know, is the future eventually just going to be a, an item that you carry about with you, which, you know, somehow connects to these bigger satellite pieces wherever you go? Yeah, well, I mean, that's basically what the Microsoft Surface docks are doing. Again, it's like a very heavy solid brick, and it just got it was it just got me the other day when I saw this. Like you know, everyone's leveling all this criticism. Yeah, Microsoft have gotten away with it because they include like a USB hub. Now I haven't tried it yet, but I have tried the uh, the Surface Pro Four, and that is a nice, nice bit of kit. It's made, it has made my iPad One feel very slow. All of a sudden. Now, granted, yes, the technology is a lot newer, but, <laughs> uh, but, anyways, if they were to go USB-C only, I wonder how Apple would do their take on it. Would they just sort of have one end that plugs into USB-C connector and then have the other end lightning? Uh, I haven't actually checked to see if the EU regulation thingy means you've got to have USB, you know, USB-C on both ends or however it works um if they were to go that it, it just seems to be you know how would apple amplify it so they didn't lose any revenue well, uh, well i guess they'd just have to uh you know they they'd do it with a USB-C to lightning plug on tip i guess mark i'm gonna have to thing my bluetooth headphones are gone because we were faffing about for so long <laughs> right so i'll catch you in a minute There we are. We're back. Uh, that was my fault because I was out for a ride and I had a puncture on the way back. And then <laughs> it's always a decision that I should never make is when I'm feeling at the absolute peak of my physical awareness that I'm out in the wilderness on my bike going, you know what, tack on a few more miles only to bonk about 20 minutes later and go, oh, great. I'm supposed to be back for the podcast. 
Anywho, what have we got up next? Um, this is very much a a very Madden-esque story. Uh, Apple, we've patched many iOS vulnerabilities exposed by the WikiLeaks. This was from the Cult of Mac earlier on this week. I'm sure a lot of people know of WikiLeaks by now. Uh, this was this was quite funny because I turned when this came on, I heard the the radio going on about the. There are ways that the CIA, CIA and the FBI can ta- hack into your TV to listen to what you're saying. And then it obviously goes, and the iPhone is vulnerable as well. And it's and because it's only a small news blip, you know, like a small comment that they make on the radio, I think, oh, great, you know, what's happened here? Has the iPhone actually been hacked? No. Pretty much, with nearly 80% of users running the latest version of our operating system, while our, initial, uh, while our initial analysts indicate many issues today were leaked in the latest iOS, we will continue to work rapidly on any identified vulnerabilities. Um, do you want to take this, Simon, this, this story a bit, Simon? Um, well, well, as we know, uh, WikiLeaks uh, disclosed their stuff from Vault 7, which they allegedly uh got from a super secret cia uh intelligence center which i suspect almost certainly they did not hack it or get it somebody gave it to them i'm quite sure um there's a lot of vulnerabilities and zero day exploits and so on and so forth apparently i've not bothered to read the eight thousand odd documents um but Apple and Google and several other people involved pretty much said, you know, it's overblown, it's overhyped. Many of the so-called vulnerabilities have been uh, dealt with long ago in the normal course of events as they're discovered or reported or otherwise uh, fixed as they go along. So I think a lot of it is somewhat overblown. That's not to say that uh, we shouldn't be slightly concerned that, you know, the CIA, who are supposed apparently only to work against hostile foreign powers, are busily attempting to hack at people's iPhones and iPads and televisions and all the rest. But that's a different matter, really, isn't it? That's a subject for the Americans to deal with amongst themselves. But uh, the main thing seems to be that a lot of this stuff, as per usual, is the CIA and other intelligence agencies stockpile all this stuff. Well, uh, you know, lordy, lordy, do you not think we already figured that one out? If you don't think the if you don't think the government's spying on you, you're an idiot. Well, um, they they've got all this. They've got the uh, surveillance laws. Oh, what was it called? That got through the parliamentary back door. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. What the uh, the snoopers charter? That's the one. That's the one. Um, the, the other thing, of course, is there's there was all this talk about smart TVs being hacked so that they could spy on people in their living rooms. Uh, it's important to point out to all and sundry that these exploits on your smart TV uh, only work if an agent has physical access to your device so that they can install this 
malware or bug or whatever it is they're using. And it's not a remote exploit. You can't, they can't break into your TV remotely and uh, monitor what's going on. So the real truth of that is if you've got CIA agents in your house, then A, all bets are off because any, uh, you know, any technical device which is in the hands of a hacker is basically compromised. And B, if you've got CIA agents in your house, you've got a lot bigger problems to worry about than your television listening to you. We've already been down here, though, once before. I mean, it wasn't all there all this outrage that when, oh, I think it was a Samsung smart TV, that had, uh, it turns out that as part of the, it was all, basically it was always listening, because I think it's one of the TVs that you could speak to. And it was a opt-out feature, if I remember correctly. I, I I vaguely remember. I don't know who it was. Um, I don't know if it was Sony or somebody. But the thing with that, I think the big problem with that was that people they didn't make it clear how the how the function worked or what it was doing. I mean, in effect, it's only the same thing as Siri or Alexa or any of the others, is it? You know, they're listening. They're listening for a keyword and they're not transmitting anything. They're just listening. Once they hear the keyword, then they start taking on board what you say and maybe transmitting the information back to some home server or, you know, whatever other technology is at the other end but uh, as i recall there there was a bit of a brouhaha about some television that you know it's spying on you well no i don't think it was actually spying on people it just had an open connection um which probably was shoddy and uh, very poor but you know that was then and this is now it will be very interesting to see what happens if we ever get to a situation where, let's say, someone does hack an Alexa or Siri or any of those devices which are always listening, to see what the public's perception will be. Will they continue to use it because they say, well, what am I? Yeah, what are you hearing that I don't want you to hear? Or... Will it sort of throw into question, you know, what rights do we have as an individual when we have another, you know, when we have kit in our own house? We, it's almost like you're going to be giving up so so much in terms of privacy if there is ever an exploit found. Yeah, I, that's a it, it's a difficult question, and I think legally probably quite thorny because. You know, we we have this thing, don't we, about the expectation of privacy, which is quite important in a lot of situations. What is your reasonable expectation of privacy? Uh, but of course, if you if you have one of these smart devices, which you is always listening to you, I'm not quite sure where where the line would be drawn on that. Obviously, in theory. All it's doing is listening for a keyword, and then when you activate it with the keyword, then at that point, after that point, you probably don't really have any right to expectation of privacy, or certainly probably not any more than you would have on making a 
you know, a phone call from a public call box. But I guess as long as as long as the manufacturers aren't listening to you, then what if if somebody hacked or exploited one of these devices to be able to listen to people? Well, I don't know. The thing with that is, is who's going to want to do it? Who's going to want to hack somebody's smart device in order to them listen, listen to them talking? I mean, I know if somebody bothered to bug my house, they'd probably end up stabbing their eardrums with pencils after listening to the inanity of what goes on in my house because they won't find anything very interesting going on. You know, uh, if you want to bug... If you want to bug a mafia boss, it's probably a hell of a lot easier to just go and install an actual bug and be done with it, you know. Um, as is often the way with so many things, well, you can do this and you can do that. Well, I'm sure you can, but does it actually achieve anything for you? Who's who's going to sit and listen to all these people talking about the inanity of their normal everyday lives? Uh, only somebody who's got the strength of you know the moral yeah, yeah the, all they uh, would hear the in my house is me watching the netflix moral, the moral fiber of a leech and the mental stamina of hercules you know the other the other point was uh that originally a lot of people uh going back to the wikileaks thing a lot of people were saying oh well then there'll be some vulnerabilities which uh apple or google or whatever can't really uh fix or can't find because they don't have the code that is being exploited but apparently wikileaks have said that they are going to pass the code that they hold on to manufacturers for them to comb through in order to make sure that they've patched all the holes so although when they might do such a thing and how legal that might be, I couldn't say. No, I mean, this is one good thing about Siri is that Siri, although it's falling way behind now in terms of flexibility of what you know, the competitors can do now, at least I know when I use it, that sort of information is mine. I've bought that device. I'm using that. Um, I'm I'm using that iOS operating system. And it's sort of mine to a point. I'm not sort of leasing it or I'm not sort of, well, you can have this and pay for the hardware, but we're still going to get more out of you on the other side of things. So I suppose that's one good thing about Siri, even though a hoi hoi telephone seems to have gone as deaf as a coot the last <laughs> few days. And it's just some days I really have to shout you know, a hoi hoi telephone. In other days, I can just mumble it and it's absolutely fine. Ugh. Well, as you know, I'm not a big user of the voice activation. I use it for making phone calls occasionally and that's about it. But uh, I did turn on hoi hoi telephone, but I couldn't really make it work because apparently Apple needs you to say hoi telephone in a happy, cheery manner, when actually most of the time I want to shout at my telephone, Hoi! Telephone! And it won't recognise that at all. It won't have it. It won't have it. When it, when you're trying to train it and it says, say, Hoi! Telephone, 
I go, hoy, telephone. And it just goes, sorry, I didn't understand that. And it keeps doing it until you go, hoy, telephone. And then it says, thank you. And you go. Well, there was a famous bug that I used to get. I don't know if it was a bug where you'd say, send the message to so-and-so. What would you like the message to say? Uh, put the kettle on. Hey, do you want to send this message? Yes. Whom shall I send this message to? <laughs> send it to so-and-so. What would you like the message to say? Put the kettle on. Ready to send. Do you want me to send it? Yes, please. Who shall I send this? Oh, and it just got into an infinite loop. I really hope that in some ways, now that we've got this iCloud, the photo processing for your iCloud library on your phone, I really hope that they make it more intelligent so it knows what commands you can use without data connection. For, like, for example, playing music. You know, why does it need to go off with a data connection to then come back to recognize what I've just said to change, you know, to skip forward 20 seconds? Well, of course, you, you don't actually have to have uh, Siri turned on. You do know that. I mean, as I said to you before, for when I first had, uh, when Siri first came out, I didn't turn it on. I mean, for ages, I still continued to use the onboard voice commands, which are still there. Yes, but if I turn it off, how will I entertain everyone in our Slack room with my lovely, lovely dictation games? Like, what am I trying to say this time? <laughs> can you can you decipher Mark's post? <laughs> uh, and no, if you, that's not Welsh. That's just bad translation yeah. by Siri. And if you do want an invite to the Slack room, then just send us a tweet to Essential Apple, and we will pick it up, and then we will send you a code to get in there. Well, I'll tell you what, now seems as good a time as any, so we can take a little break because I'm running out of water and the will to live today. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's just 45 minutes to start recording. And I I had this brilliant idea in my head of, oh, we'll come and it just works, but I'm not going to bleat on it anymore. Instead, we're going to take a quick break of 3 minutes, 20 seconds of Nemo's Hardware Store. So, John, over to you. The smart people over at Smartomi that's S-M-A-R-T-O-M-I, have an extraordinary new speaker with a really long name. Brace yourself. It's the Smartomi Optimus, O-P-T-I-M-U-S, wireless Bluetooth speaker, 16-watt louder volume, 30 hours playtime with wired remote controller for bike, cycling, and other indoor-outdoor activities. Costs $80 at Amazon US, and Simon and Mark will get us the links for the UK as soon as the item is available. It's a moderate size speaker. It's about the size of a portable water bottle you would take for a hike, and it weighs about as much as the water bottle when it's full of water. It's a rounded square at the ends, and it's oblong. You will need to go to the web links to see what it looks like. The Bluetooth range is exceptional. I got 80 feet clear line of sight Bluetooth until I started entering my neighbor's yard. So you're going to have very, very good loud sound. It's extraordinary loud with tremendous Bluetooth range. It's rugged. It looks like you could hold up your Humvee if you get stuck on the side of the motorway 
or it looks like you could pound in some tent pegs when you go out hiking with Carl and with Barry. The connection to the Bluetooth is instantaneous. It's got the controls on the top for the phone and the volume louder, softer to advance and go reverse in the tracks. You can even use it as an external power source because it's got a 6000 mAh battery. That's how it gets that long playtime, but also in a pinch you can use it to charge up your iPhone, your iPod, or your iWhatever when you're out doing that camping, hiking, or waiting on the side of the road for the motor club to come and rescue you. At loudest volume, it distorts a little bit, so you want to bring it down about one, two, three notches at max volume to get the clearest sound, but it is extraordinarily loud and it's amazingly versatile. It's a blackish gray with some nice silvery trim. Again, very attractive, and I'm saving the best for last because this is part one of a two-part review. Part two is going to be when we take it out on a bike because it comes with a bike mount and a remote control little clippy that you Velcro to your handlebar. In addition, when you're riding and you want someone to know you're coming or get out of the way, it uses the speaker for the loudest bicycle bell sound you've ever heard. I did it in the house and I was worried I was going to shatter the windows or disrupt my marriage. The dog went screaming outside. Pay attention to what smart Omi has on the Optimus wireless Bluetooth speaker. Well done and part two will be coming soon, maybe from a bicycle path near you. That's it for Nemo's Hardware Store. Back next week. As always, thank you very much, John, for Nemo's Hardware Store. And if you use our Amazon affiliate link, you can help support the site as we get a very small kickback whatever you purchase. And I just need to say a huge, huge thank you to all of you out there who have done just that. It's not much, but every little thing is helping. It helps get things like the soundboard working properly, because I can get another cable and do it a different way if needs be. It helps just pay for the hosting, because we're going over to proper hosting at the end of the month, and it just all really, really helps. It's very, very much appreciated. And of course, if you so wish, we do have a Patreon channel, so if you do think you've got a few that have just been floating down the back of the sofa or as Americans would say couch it's all appreciated as well and everything and I promise you absolutely everything goes back into the running of this show right what is our next story we've got up here then uh Microsoft is reading your Skype which is why I did laugh at this because here on the essential Apple we are very big advocates of using wire because it's got end-to-end encryption and all that sort of lovely, lovely stuff. Um, this is from Ars Technica, and I've get the story up on my creaking Mac. So, if you think your private messages you send over Skype are protected by end-to-end encryption, think again. The Microsoft-owned service regularly scans message contents for signs of fraud, and company managers may log the results indefinitely. Ours has confirmed, and this can happen if Microsoft convert the messages into human-readable form at will. So it's not really like they're going through and snooping. It's more of a question of, but it's like any IT company. Have they got a reason to be looking at what you're doing. But it's still a huge, huge gaping hole in sense of 
common sense and trustworthiness that you know when you think end to end encryption you think oh you know what that in, in my head that conjures up something being safe and secure not according to this well i think you'll find mark is the truth is i don't think microsoft have actually ever said that your stuff is encrypted it's possible that your calls your voice calls and video calls might be encrypted i don't know but i'm i'm not sure that they've actually ever said that your messages, you know, your your IM style messages across Skype are are secure or encrypted. But I think a lot of people may have just assumed they were. Well, it, um, it, it doesn't surprise me because when you do anything with Windows 10, the amount of data slurping it wants to do, even when you turn off, you know, a lot of data slurping stuff, it really, really doesn't surprise me. With something how big... Uh, I'm, I'm surprised the word that we use this to help the fight of terrorism hasn't been mentioned yet, and which often comes up in something like this. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I I always have the uh, well, there's a there's a famous American saying by uh, one of their founding fathers, the one about uh, those who would give up their liberty for security deserve neither security nor liberty uh and although that seems a bit extreme uh, that is of course you know something that i i i don't want to say that i strongly believe in but the constant cry of oh to defeat the terrorists or think of the children is usually a good cover for poking noses where they don't need to be poked yeah, the Ars Technica did reach out to Microsoft about this. Uh, and the privacy policy, which we all click, yes, I agree, and we just blast through them, it gives Microsoft all the wiggle room it needs. It states, Skype will retain your information for as long as is necessary to, one, fulfill any purposes as defined in Article 2 of this privacy policy, or two, comply with applicable legislation, regulatory requests, and relevant orders from competent courts. Well, is, it, is there an incompetent court? What do they class as a competent court? Blimey. That's, a, that's quite very vague in broad. I but, think that's it's a kind of arse covering exercise, isn't it? That uh, it it it's kind of both ways, I suppose. It's Microsoft covering their own back, really, saying we do watch this. So if you start sending messages about terrorist plots and blowing up Congress or you know other terrible diabolical acts we may you know we may tittle tattle on you but uh yes just I, like I say, do not think you'll get away with things without <sighs> yeah there is no private in a way there is no private chat and if you're going to go on to things like the dark net or the dark web well that's a whole whole you know different area that they don't talk about it, it really shouldn't come as a surprise because imagine what would happen if Let's say, God forbid, a terrorist plot happened to be organised somehow over Skype. You would kind of think that it must have a legal thing where you know the company that provided that phone service would be complicit or some other nonsense like that in this litigious state that we're in. 
Well, then, you know, the problem with that, Mark, is you can then say exactly the opposite, can't you? That wire, what about wire? Which obviously is encrypted end-to-end all the time. And wire.com know nothing of what passes across there. So if we were, in fact, you know, using wire to conspire to blow up the Houses of Parliament, um, and then we did it and got away with it, what are you going to say? You're going to say it's wire's fault? That we yeah, did that. Uh, it's sort of like a, you no, couldn't that's... hold a you couldn't hold a mobile phone company um, in you know if, when let's try that again. Well, it would be oh, let's put an edit point in and drop another marker. So much editing. No, that is very true. I suppose it would be like trying to blame a mobile phone company for someone using their service to you know organise some nefarious type stuff. It. Again, it, this really doesn't surprise me, and one of the, at least, at least it's given me one more reason to feel good about not using Skype, other than the fact it just drowns my Mac and consumes every available resource on the planet. <laughs> well, perhaps that's because it's now now you know why, because it's sucking up all your data <laughs> and sending it off to Microsoft's secret listening station, <laughs> or not. Uh, we've got, I think right, we've, well. We've got time for one more story. Oh, okay. What shall we go with? Let's I mean, go. there's the uh, BT have been finally told that they've got to separate Open Reach into its own division. Yeah, do you want to cover that one? Free from, free from BT's uh, direct control. I think it's something we did talk about before, wasn't it? That uh, and now they've been compelled to do it. Basically, the the. Uh, Powers that be have said that OpenReach must be legally separated from BT and have its own board and its own uh, investment plans and so on because they've been concerns that because BT control OpenReach, they can favour their own uh, ends and, if necessary, stymie those the plans of their competitors. Well, it, but the thing is, is that even if BT do let go of OpenReach, it becomes their own uh, their own system. They're so intertwined with the services that they offer. I mean, it's like when you see these unbundling of these exchanges. Well, basically, they just end up hiring BT contractors to go out and look after them anyway. So it's it's pretty much a, another BT won't come out of this losing by any way, shape, or fashion. I just think it's highly... What's the word I'm looking for here? I'm surprised that this, this hasn't... This must be, I think, on the back of the fact that... If you look at BT now, they own Orange, T-Mobile, and EE. Now they own most of the data infrastructure. It doesn't surprise me at all that the government have finally stepped in to say, hmm, you've got to really sort of, you know, not be so big because we want to encourage... Uh, what oh blimey what's the word we want to foster competition and all that sort of stuff (laughs) yeah we'll believe you but um i I, no i have to say i think that is a good thing because it's it's about separating the infrastructure from the providers as it were and it's a bit like um it's a bit like the fact that the the railway tracks are not looked after 
by the people who run the trains. Rail track looks after the, you know, the, the train, uh, the, tr- the tracks and the signalling and all that. And the trains are run by the train operators. Uh, and I, I think it's that kind of, that's the idea that the people who provide their infrastructure should not be controlled by the people who are providing a service. This... Whether it'll work out like that or not is another matter, but. Well, this this one's uh, there's a phrase here. Openreach executives will be ex- accountable to its board rather than BT, and the body will be obliged to consult with Sky, TorTalk, and Vodafone on any large-scale investments. This will include a confidential phase, which ideas discussed with rivals cannot be revealed to BT. Hmm, all sounds a bit strange. There's something more to this, and. Just sort of very coincidental that this is happening, and I'm going to put my conspiracy theory hat on here, just after Brexit seems to be happening, and all that lovely, lovely money that BT got from the European Union to go and put fibre in everywhere, because you cannot go anywhere around here without seeing a green cabinet with a sticker on there that says, partially funded by the EU. And now we're out of the EU, and now they're sort of getting rid of it. I I smell shenanigans. <laughs> well, that I couldn't say. I'm just as I'm just reporting the news, Mark. <laughs> just something I came across this week that uh, the watchdogs have said that BT must separate from Openreach, and I think it's about time. Uh, and if I might stick in one more. Before Go for we it. move on to the last couple of things. Uh, happy birthday, Adobe Illustrator. 30 years old this year. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, that's actually scary. I remember, yes. oh, blimey, that is, yeah, that, that's scary. And I've, been using, and I've been using it for nearly all of them. I started with Adobe Illustrator 1.1 slash 88 plus, uh, which obviously was in... 88 plus, I'm guessing, was released in 1988. Uh, I, so there I, you go. <laughs> I never got the hang of uh, anything to do with Adobe Illustrator, but I did play around with Affinity Designer, and that's that's a nice bit of kit. And it's I do like the way that we can get apps that now that come so close to touching on the doors of these old behemoth-style products. Uh, but wow... Uh, well, it was, you said that Serif Page Plus is still going. Uh, Serif Page Plus. Yeah. Serif Page Plus uh, version X9 uh, is, is still available, but it is now sunsetted. It has finally been laid to rest. I remember when that came out on a magazine. Serif, yeah. Well, Serif have, after the success of Affinity Photo and Affinity Designer, on the Mac, they have decided to sunset their uh, plus set of Windows applications after probably 30 years, and that they will be releasing Affinity for Windows. Oh, joy. (laughs) Oh, well, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to try something, and let's press this button here, because we've had something special happen this week. Yes, I'm just looking through to see if that actually went through 
Has it recorded? Yes, it has. Uh, we've had feedback, which is amazing because the last bit of feedback I had for this show was back in August last year. Jeez. So we've had one review, uh, Expat Reviews by Pearson AU from Australia on March the 8th, 2017. Another great UK-based Apple podcast. Great chat, in- chat info. Oh, let's try that again. Another great UK-based Apple podcast. Is it time for a drink yet? Blimey. No, he didn't put that. Great chat info and a good helping of nonsense. Keep up the good work. And he's giving us five stars. Thank you very much. And that reminds me, if anyone else out there wants to now join the train of reviews that have been left because the, the duck has been broken. Is that the right phrase? I don't know. I, I just need to go and sit down in the nice comfy chair in the corner of the room. You can do that by going to iTunes or anything else or even Overcast. Just give us a little tap on there. Just we maybe one day we can get noticed on there. Uh, let's go and have a look then at Worth a Chip or sorry, I should say uh, this week's app session. This is by Dougie on Slack. In case you need to clean up your Twitter feed, he's seen some security researchers using this. You can automatically delete your old tweets with tweetdelete.net, a service that automatically deletes all your tweets older than a specified age, allowing you to mass delete tweets at all at once with no fee. And who doesn't like something for free? Do you want to take the next one, Simon? Uh, Yeah, Uh, one I've seen. Uh, is I'm not really sure I approve of this very much, but uh, Wina have released a new Mac OS application called Electric Pork, which apparently allows you to type out something longer than 140 characters and then instantly share it on Twitter as a tweet store. Uh, yeah, kind of. I'm not surpri- I'm not surprised that somebody's done it, but to me, this tweet storm thing is kind of going against the point of twitter really but that's just me i'm just an old fuddy-duddy you know i thought the whole point was to try and be swift and concise and uh witty you know but there you go if you want to make tweet storms you don't have to work it out anymore you get this electric pork and uh it will take your long missive and conveniently chop it up into chunks for a tweet storm yeah you too can circumvent a system that was designed to stop this very thing from happening uh unsurprisingly this week i've got no apps because it's just been a hell of a week but if you have an app you want us to take a look at uh, have a review of or mention it on the show you can send an email to the essential apple team via essentialapple.com because i now have a working contact form thank you slack for pointing that out i don't know how I missed that one, but that's all working now. So thank you very much for that. Oh, actually, no. Um, sorry, Simon. I've seen that you've got some on here as well. Uh, a network scanner and land scan. Uh, yes. Thing, Thing, F-I-N-G, is a network scanner for iOS, uh, which allows you, it's free, by the way, uh, and it allows you to have a deep peek at everything that's on your wireless on your network it's very very good uh and although i don't believe there's a thing for mac a similar free product uh, for examining your ip4 network at home 
is a product called LandScan, which is available from the Mac uh, App Store. And uh, there is a paid version, which removes uh, a few fairly trivial uh, features or blockages, I should say. But the free version will show you all the devices connected to your network. This sounds like something that Barry Gentleman would be very interesting. If you're listening, Barry, if you want to give us a, any feedback on those apps, please do. Um, for me, uh, like I said, I haven't got any apps, but on a similar sort of nature, I am on the lookout for an ADSL modem router wireless doohickey box. If you've got any recommendations out there, please get in touch with the show via Essential Apple or at Ocean Speed. Or again, like I say, you can always request to get into our Slack chat room. Uh, right, how long have we gone for? Please say it's been an hour. Yes, it has been. We've hit the magic hour marker. So, you know what, Simon? It's been a bit of a weird one today, but I think we can call that a show. So, as I ask you every week, if somebody wants to, how can they get a hold of you, good sir? The best way to get hold of me is to use my Twitter, which is at Serenac, and that's S-E-R-E-N. Okay, or of course, they could join us in the Slack. And if you want to get hold of the show, you can. In fact, this will be the show where. Ah, oh, right. Need to do a bit of admin. Now you may have noticed that a that a show was accidentally posted the other day. Sorry about that. That was completely, completely my fault. But if you want to get a hold of me, you can tweet me at Essential Apple. Pop along to the website, EssentialApple.com and take a look there. We'll have all the show notes and hopefully this week we will have the full show notes in your podcast browser, which like I say, does include our Amazon affiliate link and our Patreon link as well. And I have tested it and they both work in everything with iOS. And I think that's it from us this week. Thank you once again for letting us occupy 60-odd megabytes of your precious device storage. And until next time, we will see you soon. Cheerio, everyone. So long, all. And we're done. Hey, Siri. Could you read the three Geeky Ladies promo script? Sure. Elisa says... Welcome to the Three Geeky Ladies podcast and introduces Suse and Vicky. Suse says, Hello everyone. Vicky says, Hi. Elisa, want to know how we feel about the new Apple product? Suse, what about the iOS camera? Vicky, or the MacBook Pro update? Elisa, Suse, and Vicky in unison, then, listen to the Three Geeky Ladies podcast Siri, the Three Geeky Ladies podcast on the My Mac Podcasting Network.